you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm late. I'm late. Very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com at JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. Hey, this is Greg Rosenthal. Before we get to the big show, we've got a new sponsor for the Around the NFL podcast. Thanks for supporting the site. This is what comes with it. We get a sponsor, and it's FanDuel. If your fantasy league season is over, the playoffs are arriving and your team is out, you can go sign up for a one-week league at FanDuel.com. They're giving out money each and every week. Heck, if you made the playoffs like me, I've got to buy. You can spend some of that money at FanDuel.com, get some new teams. Chris Prince from Detroit won over $656,000 playing fantasy sports at FanDuel.com. You can come join them by using, clicking on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner and using our code AROUND. Sign up now. Again, you use our code AROUND. This is the leader in one-week fantasy leagues. You can win actual money. The new user special is ending now. And come on, you can uh, support the site a little bit. And now uh, let's get over to the rest of the show and our money tag. Take it away. The Around the NFL podcast has better hands than Odell Beckham. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hanses, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. We've lied to them right off the bat. Why? <laughs> yeah, that is a terrible Better joke. hands than Odell Beckham. None of us could even do anything if athletically. You, if there was a way... To take all of our athletic ability, and Wes, I know you, you got some skills, especially on the cornhole uh, field, court, pitch, pitch. <laughs> uh, but if you took all of our hand-eye coordination percentages and put them together, would not be reaching Odell Beckham. Not within a world. Orb. <laughs> uh, welcome to the Sunday edition of the Around the NFL podcast, our big recap of all the action. Hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving uh, you know, got past some subpar games. A little disappointing, those Thanksgiving games. Right, Mark? Well, yeah, I think, you know, you'd think the slate, it lines up for a bunch of, you know, 
classics, and it was quite the opposite. But Sunday, we You're had... just salty because you keep donating picks by picking the Cowboys. Uh, well, listen, I have had a nice luck with the Cowboys overall this season, <laughs> but now I have to recalibrate everything. As I said downstairs, Greg... I, you know, I've led the league this year in percentage of weeks in first place. So you don't get that way by accident, buddy <laughs> That's boy. That's not even a stat. By the way, at the end of this week, we're not going to get too sidetracked. We've got a lot to get into, but there's going to be a four-way tie atop the standings in our picks. It's outrageous. That is hubba hubba goodness. So track how that will shake down. I don't know if it's exciting to anyone else, but we're all excited about it. That's all that matters. Yeah. So big week, and I guess we have to start. There's no other place to start, but... What could be mm. a preview of Super Bowl 49 in Glendale? Lambeau Field, where Aaron Rodgers <laughs> threw 368 yards and a pair of touchdowns to lead the Green Bay Packers to a 26-21 win over the New England Patriots. And what could be and felt like a potential preview of the big game. The Packers have won three straight, eight of nine. Pats have lost, uh, lost for the first time in eight weeks. Wes, after a collection of duds on Thanksgiving, Here's a game that lived up to the hype. It was fun to watch. Rodgers and Brady trading great plays. Got Revis shutting down Jordy Nelson until Jordy puts a, a little nudge to get separation for a 45-yard touchdown. That's allowed. That was the biggest play of the game, don't you think? Gron- oh, yeah. yeah. And then Gronk uh, bouncing off defenders and almost makes a diving catch that would have changed the outcome of the game. That play where Nelson scores a touchdown with under 20 seconds left from – whatever it was, 50, 60 yards out. I mean, that that's a killer. That's a play that you don't normally see the Patriots make. That's when, when I saw that, I was just like, you're not, you're not recovering from that. I mean, that first half by Aaron Rodgers had as many highlight throws as any quarterbacks had in a half all year. I think it was tough for fans because New England, after about three and a half minutes, when they missed that field goal, they never got the ball back. You almost wanted to see them at the end of the game. punch it in at the end of the game and put Aaron Rodgers in a place where he'd had to – Two minutes left at Lambeau. And and Revis, and being a Jets fan and seeing how great Revis was when he was with the Jets, this was, before that play anyway, Revis was playing out of his mind. He oh, was yeah. like the guy we all remember. So Revis has been such a great addition. But that, again, just speaks to the greatness of Rodgers and Jordy Nelson as a team that they were able to get such a big play. This reminded me of so many Patriots games that they wind up winning. That's why the ending was painful for, for Tom Brady. You know, Rob Gronkowski gets his hand on the ball there. They miss the field goal. They almost win it because the Packers look like the better team all day. I mean, the Packers go 0 for 4 in the red zone, and the Patriots go 3 for 3, I believe, and they still lose the game. So it was a game that Green Bay really looked like the better team, and the Patriots almost snuck it out. I think they are the better team, and I'm not saying it's by a wide margin. This isn't really a, a shameful loss for New England at all, but Green Bay has emerged as a powerhouse. I don't know who's going to touch them. Well, the, the thing that struck with me is the Packers got a good pass rush on Tom Brady. I know they didn't sack him until late in the game, and, and the, pa- the Patriots got three sacks on Rodgers, but the Patriots' pass rush wasn't nearly as good as Green Bay's. The Packers... In Lambeau, are the only juggernaut in the NFL these days. Mm. I mean, they're they're unbeatable there, and this really puts them in pole position. I think the Lions control their own destiny mathematically, but they finish in Lambeau in the season finale, and I just don't think they can beat the Packers in Green Bay. It would be very Lions-like to lose one of the games before that, though, where they're the heavy favorites. Like, I don't think we can just chalk it. Oh, yeah, Lions will win three straight going into Green Bay. Sure, they're not going to screw this up at all. By the way, here's the dream scenario <laughs> if you're a football fan and you're thinking about the NFC playoffs. The Seahawks seem like they're taking flight 
That was that was good. That Thank was you. terrible. Well uh, they are they're playing very well. Obviously, it's say they continue to play straight through the divisional playoffs. They're on fire. The Packers continue to be the Packers. Seattle at Lambeau NFC title game. Mm. I'm already excited about the possibility. Fail Mary part two. I want the same exact thing to happen <laughs> again. Bring back that idiot fake official who wrote a book about being an idiot. Let's do it all over again. <laughs> Patriots got to be careful, though. They go to San Diego, and they come home from Miami, which are tricky games. I don't think anyone expects them to lose, but they're tricky games. And if they lose either one of those, they could wind up not being the number one seed getting home field. They're going 4-0 to close the season. I was going to say, are we already <laughs> at the point in the show, by the way, where Greg talks about the, the division potentially being in danger for the Patriots? Come on. You're going to win it by four games. Oh. Whatever. <laughs> Since Aaron Rodgers' last division. interception – Two years, 361 pass attempts, and 31 touchdowns? <laughs> That's insane. The guy's playing at another level. But Brady, that was a great – both guys – Brian Hoyer-like. That just reminded me, though. Brady played great, but he missed some throws in this game. I mean, I don't think it was his best game of the year. That, that just got me thinking, this was a huge game for the MVP race. Mm. Like, oh, yeah. Aaron Rodgers was my pick going into this game, and for him to win at home where he clearly outplayed Brady, that's big. Good call. All right, we go from one NFC division leader to another. The Arizona Cardinals, guys, are in a funk. The Falcons jumped out to a 17-point first quarter lead and then coasted from there in a convincing 29-18 win at the Georgia Dome. The Falcons uh, keep pace with the Saints in the NFC South. Cardinals, meanwhile, see their division shrink to just lead, shrink to just one game over the Seahawks. Uh, gentlemen, the Cardinals are in deep trouble with Drew Stanton as their quarterback. No way around it. The Seahawks are a much better team in week 13, week 14 than the Cardinals are. The Cardinals have gotten this far by winning close games where they win the turnover margin. I mean, that's pretty much – and that's a hard thing to do week after week. And, like, you can't do that when Drew Stanton's your quarterback and you're trying to throw the ball 40 yards down the field every other play. And they got a garbage touchdown late to make this look a little bit better, and that was the first – touchdown that Drew Stanton had led his drive he led his team on in 10 quarters so this is not something that you know one bad week you mark it off it's been really a, a stretch now that's covered almost all the time since Carson Palmer got hurt and you know Bruce Arians has said all the right things and pumping up Stanton as the guy he believes can take them to uh, through the NFC playoffs into the Super Bowl but I don't see it and I look forward to uh, hearing what you guys think about it when you watch a tape because I saw a guy that was lost uh, the interception that he threw, a second interception he threw that essentially iced the game. It was a, basically a check down pass over the middle that he overshot the receiver by mm. five feet. It was just too easy, and it's not the type of pass you see a big-time quarterback make. So that's my big concern. This is, there's a lot of pressure on that defense uh, to win games, and it's, just, it's asking too much. I mean, Atlanta couldn't beat the Browns when Brian Hoyer threw three interceptions. For them to win this game is shocking. To me, I mean, I guess I shouldn't be that shocked. I, I, I just... think Arizona, though, they, they have the looks, and we've talked about it downstairs. I don't know. I had this vision of them going 9-7 and seven mm. after holding what was a Ouch. huge lead That'd in the division. Sad. That I could just see them completely melting. They can't, could they run the ball today, by the way? Because that was well, a huge issue for them Andre last Andre Ellington had a hip injury left at the end of the first half. And in Stanton's defense, if there is a defense, you're playing without Larry Fitzgerald, who missed the second straight game. El Ellington goes out in the first half and bye-bye to the running game. They don't have anybody that could pick up the slack behind him. So Honey Badger got hurt too. But, I you're, mean, but you're playing against the Falcons, one right, of the worst, right, right. one of the worst defenses in the NFL. And by the way, the Falcons team that all season has shown us over and over again, we will let you back in this game and probably let you steal it if you want it enough. And the Cardinals couldn't even come close to doing that. So I would say if you're a Cardinals fan, 
it's okay to hit the panic button right now, even at nine and three. Turn off the television and wait for the off season. Wait. <laughs> well, no, I wouldn't go that okay. far. Meanwhile, Atlanta is going to be playing a really meaningful Week 16 game to try to make the playoffs because this this win kind of clinched it. That that when they go to New Orleans in Week Week 16, that that game is going to at least give them a chance to win the division. Ugh. That's a total buzzkill of a scenario <laughs> that you just raised. <laughs> We, we credited the Cardinals for being one of the toughest teams in the league. And they go out and Julio Jones just worked over Patrick Peterson. Mm. And Steven Jackson has the first 100-yard game by a Falcons running back since Michael Turner was still in the league. Peterson said after the game, you know, this is on me because he got toasted. And, and Bruce Arians, this is why I love him, he said, if you're going to talk about Julio Jones during the week, which I guess Peterson did, it's like, you got to do better than that. Ooh, wow, like, yeah, I like that. Calling him out. Yeah, yeah, we cannot uh, skip over that at all. It was an absolute dominating performance. And Kevin Patra wrote a piece. No on, Roddy White in the game, too, with that. It's crazy. Yeah, Ke- Kevin Patra wrote a piece this week um, that Patrick Peterson called out, said, I w- I'm looking forward to covering uh, Julio Jones as the best cornerback in the league. No, you cannot say that stuff because that would never happen. He's right. not the best right. cornerback in the league. Not even close. Mm. Anyway, the Falcons get an impressive win. <laughs> And uh, speaking of impressive, let's get to the reigning team of ATL. Ooh, the San Diego Chargers wiped away a 10-point deficit with less than seven minutes to play, stunning the Baltimore Ravens in a 34-33 win in Baltimore. Greg Rosenthal, here's an example of a great quarterback refusing to let his team suffer a crushing defeat. Am I right? This was one of the best quarterback games of the year, and I'm including Joe Flacco in that. He, he played terrific in this game, too. But Rivers led his team to a win on a day where they looked dead so many different times. They end up with 31 first downs, uh, 440 yards. They're down 10 points with about 650 to go. Even after that, San Diego gave up a scoring drive, and Rivers just kept going down the field again and again and connecting on passes where the Ravens got hits on him. It was one of, you know, it reminded me of the old Phillip Rivers, the one from Ow! September. It's Go a huge it. win for San Diego because there's not a lot of time left, and they, they gained a big game on a bunch of AFC teams that lost. They're now sitting in the fifth position in the, uh, if the playoffs were to start today. And the one, one team above them, well, right next to them is the Chiefs, who are about to potentially lose. Well, it shows that they're going to be a factor in big games. They, they play the Patriots next week. They still have the Broncos. It j- just gives them a chance. It shows like, hey, we can go on the road and beat a really quality team. Maybe they're not quite as bad as, as I think, although their defense, I think, is that bad. Yeah, can they overcome that defense in an offensive line that can't block? <laughs> Probably not, but it was it was just like Phillip Rivers kind of made you believe that, you know, if you have a quarterback playing that well, maybe you can. Keenan Allen also made – a bunch of great catches. The Ravens tried to cover Antonio Gates with linebackers. That's not a very good idea. Courtney Upshaw was just trying to trail him around. It's a bad idea. Baltimore's secondary is, I think, is a big issue for them. The this is I, we've called them the most balanced team in the, in the AFC or at least the AFC North, but they have a terrible secondary. I mean, when when you go up against guys like Rivers or whatever, it's gonna get exposed. The, Whatever his name, Levine, Anthony, Anthony Levine. Levine. Yeah. He got Adam picked, Levine. He got picked on over and <laughs> over a, all game. He's a safety that they've been forced to play at cornerback. Yeah, they've had injuries. They weren't that good there to begin with, and now I don't know. They're a game and a half behind the Bengals. That's going to be tough to catch up. All right, gentlemen, just let's let's give the team of around the NFL a little bit of credit. Who's joining me and getting back on the bandwagon? Not me. 
Why not? I'm enjoying them. I I liked it. It was fun to see them. I I wish I had picked them. None of us picked them to win this game. And it didn't look like a bad idea most of this game. Baltimore dominated, but... I'm not off the bandwagon. They they didn't perform to the level of expectation we thought they would for weeks. Right. But this this is a big win on the road. And, Wes, you've said that this team doesn't excite you. Three fourth-quarter touchdowns. How about that? That's exciting. How about their offensive line and defense? Are those exciting? <laughs> the Ravens had seven red zone trips in their first eight drives, really, that, which was their whole game until they got the ball left with 30 seconds to go. It, it's unbelievable San Diego lost this game. If the Ravens don't make the playoffs, just games like this, they've, they've underachieved this year. Couldn't right. happen to a nicer team. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. Oh, wait, we can't move on without a little bit of uh... – Oh, there you go. Super Chargers. Now Wes is getting into it. Super Chargers. Come on. Wes, you're in. No, I'm out. Wes, you, <laughs> you in San Diego, you have a, you have a sort of a San Diego vibe to you. Mm. I, don't, I, do. I, don't, I don't get why you're not down with I'm this surprised. Team. I haven't never been to San Diego, so I don't know what that means. Any, well, any, I don't te- any team that can bring out the beautiful falsetto of Dan Handis, his vocal cords. I just, cards. I I just love guys. it. I love these guys. All right, so the Ravens go down. Who could take advantage of it in the tightly packed AFC North? Not the Browns, who went up to Orchard Park and could not move the ball in a 26-10 loss to the Buffalo Bills. Brian Hoyer was benched after another poor performance, giving Johnny Manziel his first real playing time of the season. Mark, we'll get to Manziel in a second, but uh, what did you see from the Bills today who are hanging around in the playoff picture? What there is to believe in with Buffalo is their defense, and they absolutely smothered Cleveland from the start. There was a key turnover in this game. Terrence West, Browns rookie running back, fumbled the ball. Hughes on the Bills took it in for a touchdown. That The game was never the same after that. It was just like the it sparked the crowd. It, it gave the Bills confidence. Their offense was abysmal for much of the game. The Bills were like 2 of 15 on third down. So mm. it was one of these games, if you're so frustrating to watch Cleveland, there were so many opportunities for them to draw even or pull ahead, and they just couldn't do it. They could not get out of their own way. That is bizarre that it was 3 nothing with eight minutes left in the third quarter. And then the Bills scored two touchdowns in 10 seconds. Yeah, 10 I, seconds! I was yeah. watching my other games, and I had the TV above Mark. Of course, we had the quiet storm. Mark says there is quiet storm going on right in front of me. So I had no idea what was going on with the game, the Browns game. But the TV behind Mark, I looked up, and all of a sudden it was it was 7-3. And then, like, literally 10 seconds later, I look up, it was 14-3. And then the way the Browns were struggling to move the ball, you knew they were in trouble. Let's talk about their offense. And so yeah, Brian Hoyer. Bench. Why are we burying the lead here? Well, we have a playoff team. The Bills are in the mix. We got to well, give them the Browns some are in the mix. Seven the Bills. And five. The Bills have their first seven and five start since two thousand. Let's give them some uh, credit <laughs> for crazy. it. And them raising money for Daryl Talley. Come on, get excited for Good the job. Bills. Good job, Bills However, Mafia. Bills, Ma- not a great name, but great job by <laughs> Bills fan. A very great fan base. Mark Brian Hoyer. Tell us, take us through your thoughts about his performance, and then Manzel entering, and what you took out of that. I think he's played himself out of the job today. I mean, five interceptions in two weeks. And I think we all watched, anytime you watched any of his tape, Brian Hoyer, you talk about, we talked about Drew Stanton. When he starts throwing t- turnovers, interceptions, then that team cannot win. That's very similar to Cleveland. They, they all year long won their turnover battle, all year long. And Hoyer had so many dropped picks Week after week, we saw you know a ton go through the mitts of the defense defenders' hands. Today and last week, that changed. I mean, teams are starting to pick him off. 
And I think a little bit for me, I want to go back and watch this game again, but it's the second week in a row where, yes, it's great to get Josh Gordon back, but I don't think this offense was doing what it was doing the whole way through with someone com- with a completely different receiving core. I don't think they've quite figured out, and I don't think Hoyer has at all, how to deal with Josh Gordon back in this offense. He's extremely talented, and it sounds weird to say that their mm. their rhythm is off because such a good player is in the lineup, but that's what I'm seeing. It's, it's a great point because when you think about it, you would think, oh, oh, automatically the offense gets a lot better, but to take such a giant piece of the offense and then just drop him in like an anvil and then be like everything feeds through him now, it makes sense. So what did you see from Manziel? Well, Manziel, and there wasn't a lot to – in a lot of time, he came on right away and let an 80-yard drive. He's, he's incredibly athletic. He used his, he did a nice job getting out of the pocket and running for a touchdown. On the next couple of drives, he got flattened on one. He should, should, what I thought it should have been basically yeah. a, f- a fumble for a touchdown. I mean, he got whacked and dropped the ball. They called it an incomplete pass. I don't know. I mean, I think, I think they're, what I get the sense is the team is very anxious to look at Manziel, and it's not because they think they're out of the playoff race or something, but Hoyer has hurt them two games in a row. They should not have won that Falcons game. Well, Pettin said after the game, he wouldn't tip his hand, but he said, I think the quote was, you know, a quarterback change is a consideration, which I guess is admitting the obvious. And usually on Sunday night or Monday when they don't give you an answer, that means a change is coming. Yeah. Well, you wrote in the offseason, Mark, that Manziel moved the needle, and when he scored that touchdown today, the newsroom erupted like it hasn't all year. Yeah. I immediately went for my Browns hat that Mark graciously <laughs> gave me a week or two ago. Because the Manzella era is here, makes the Browns eminently more watchable, what, in my opinion. Greg, what did that remind you of, by the way? Well, it was Tebow. It was very tebow in the newsroom. Oh, you don't like that? Well, I don't like – no, no, I don't. You're Just the like, only one allowed to get excited for things? No, I get excited, <laughs> but why Why do we all have to have this group thing where the whole room, all right, let's get crazy. It's 20 to 3 or something <laughs> in a game. Meanwhile, other great games are going on. It's more just the big group thing around like Tebow, 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 Manziel. You know, there's got to be one guy like that. So, I don't see it as group thing. It came from an organic place. All right. All right. By the way, by the time we have our next show on Wednesday – I'm, I would think the Manziel decision will be made one way or the other, and that's going to be a major storyline in the NFL, <laughs> just like Tebow uh, for the next several no, weeks and uh, perhaps beyond. So true. buckle in. I think we also saw why it was foolish. This whole reward Brian Hoyer with a big contract extension was Talk. foolish all along. And by the way, thanks, Wes, for volunteering to do all those Manziel posts the rest of the week. <laughs> all right. Since you love the You're topic a team so player. Um, all right, so the Ravens and the Browns both go down. What about the Steelers? Another dud. Pittsburgh looked flat and listless in their own building, getting outplayed in all facets of a 35-32 loss to the Saints. And don't be misled by the final score, guys. 16 points in garbage time by Roethlisberger. It doesn't hide the reality that Steelers, A, cannot be trusted, and B, the Saints, after three straight weeks of getting uh, beaten in their own building and, and still staying atop of the NFC South, but looking so bad as a team. This is a really nice win uh, by a team that needed it. The battle of lethargy. <laughs> Why or is that? Ben Fold, ben Fold 5, the battle of who could care less. <laughs> a BFF drop. <laughs> this was my Super Bowl pick before the year. <laughs> and, well, listen, had the game, if a Super Bowl were like this, 35-32, I wouldn't have an issue. Are but you like inviting you said, me to do my toilet bowl joke again? Yeah, I'm. I'm just opening the I'm door. I'm not going for that. to. Well, all right. That's I fine. won't do it. I won't do it. I don't know. I, I look at this. I look at this team, the Steelers team, and I wonder if some of it. A lot of Steelers fans are so frustrated with Mike Tomlin. Does some of this come back to coaching? I mean, why? Why is their performance 
and really they're even there's just emotion there's on the a, field so up and down. There's no way to figure this team out. And mm. Wes, this is you were so high on them, and I get it because we saw enough games where they looked like uh, one of the top teams in the AFC. But they've had too many of these games now where you can never really get behind them as a true AFC contender. They are what they are. They're an up-and-down team. They're maddening. They have a lot of talent, but they don't know how to put it together. Was Big Ben hurt in this game, though? Because I saw him. He looked yeah. injured at one point. He had uh, the, if you're a, a fantasy owner of Big Ben, you're happy with his 450-yard, two-touchdown performance. But that was the most misleading statistical line I think I've ever seen in a game. He was very, very bad all game. And it started – early on where he gets hit on a follow-through on his, on his right wrist, and it hurt him enough. And, you know, he's a big ox, uh, Ben Roethlisberger. He's never, he never misses games. He always stays in. He's a tough guy. He, ha- he was handing the ball off left-handed initially after that injury happened, uh, and then he was missing high consistently throughout the game. So I wouldn't be surprised if it was the type of injury that would knock another quarterback out. This box score is goofy. Yeah. Yes. Though Saints wide receiver, or Saints receiving totals begged the question, who was covering Kenny Stills? Right, well, 162 <laughs> yards and a touchdown. And no one else and had more than 17 yards for the thing. Jimmy Graham didn't have a catch. Jimmy Graham didn't have a catch in this game. And yet, uh, and Drew Brees, and let's give him credit because we've been giving him some heat this year for uh, some uh, ill-timed turnovers and the like. But he played like the, the Drew Brees we know and love through – well, I don't know if I love Drew Brees, but he threw five touchdown passes <laughs> without an interception and did it. He did it without Jimmy Graham somehow. I don't know how that happened. Um, yeah, but the stat do not. I'm one guy who was really upset today, even though his team won, was Rob Ryan, because the the Steelers picked up two touchdowns and two point conversions in the last like three minutes mm. to make this look like a game. But this was not a game. Don't get fooled by that. So the Saints are in decent position and playing better now. And Rob Ryan's also not happy because he was named in a report before the game started that he oh, wasn't no. getting along with Sean Payton. And it sparked Sean Payton to go on this huge rant, a bunch of questions uh, to start his press conference where he, he goes after CBS's reporter by name. He goes after ESPN. And then he, and then he says, anyone else got anything for me? And then they, they ask Ian Rappaport, <laughs> our NFL media insiders. And at that point he, he was sick. He just said like, next question. I'm done with this. That dude's crazy. But basically, what it said was, the, we're the best place. Dan, how did CBS and ESPN? How did my boy look? Your boy, oh, Le'Veon? Mark Mark Ingram. Oh, I lose I lose track sometimes. Uh, Mark Ingram. <laughs> who has a bigger Who has a bigger room in the stable? Le'Veon Bell or Mark Ingram? Yeah, I feel like Ingram because everybody knows by now that Le'Veon Bell's great. Ingram back on track. Uh, he ran for 120 yards, I believe. He looked a lot better. He looked healthier. I know. He looked more explosive. He did. He looked a lot better. The last two weeks, I know he had. He was around 50 yards each week. So he, you know, when they have the, when you have Ingram running like that and Breeze playing uh, cleaner football, that's why anybody that's going to rule out the Saints uh, surprising someone in January. I'm not saying they're going to go on a deep run. But anybody that thinks they can't knock off any team in a, w- a one game is crazy. This They still could be dangerous. I was going to say, like, the, 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 yeah, this is not going to be a Super Bowl preview. That's very obvious at this point. But both could get into the playoffs. I wouldn't want to deal with either one of these. In a peak performance, mm. they could wipe out almost anyone. That's true. So the Steelers, Browns, and Ravens all go down. How about the Bengals? Winners. <laughs> Duh. Winning. <laughs> Uh, Just barely, though. The Cincinnati Bengals overcame three first-half interceptions from Andy Dalton to hand the Tampa Bay Buccaneers a 14-13 loss. Chris Wessling, the mailman, tell us how a 12-men-on-the-field penalty might have saved Cincy from a gruesome defeat. Josh McCown hits Lewis Murphy for a 21-yard catch. 
putting the Bucks in easy field goal range. Marvin Lewis notices the Bucks. I don't know if I've ever seen an offense line up in formation with 12 players. <laughs> no, I it never have. Kind of a genius move if the other team doesn't catch it, but Marvin Lewis caught it. Challenged the play. It's not challengeable, but the, the refs were already going to review it anyway, so they end up looking at it and overturning the call pushes them out of field goal range, and they lose the game. This was a crazy moment, not crazy in the newsroom, but an interesting moment. Berger, who's a uh, producer for the network, sitting behind this big, big Cincinnati fan. Michael Berger. It's, you make it sound like he has one name like Madonna. Like, for around the NFL, Hamburger. the show. I the forgot it. Show. I didn't even. I forgot his name was Michael. I just knew him as Berger. But he, he's a big Bengals fan, and he's screaming at – at uh, Marvin Lewis saying, "How is he? Call, how, why would he call time out there? He's on the rules committee." But Marvin Lewis, uh, give him credit. He, well, he got give credit to the guy upstairs who, in his earpiece, was saying, uh, "Challenge a challenge, do something," because they had the twelve men, and that I mean, just a wild play. You don't see a lot. And Dean Blandino, the VP of fishing, Dino! he says. For, uh, for all the good work that Marvin Lewis did, he says it wouldn't have mattered, that they had already flagged it, that they can't stop playing sure they did, Dean. until the moment <laughs> that the Bucks line up to snap it. So they, w- they have to wait until that moment to then stop it for some reason. It saved the Bengals from – well, Andy Dalton had one of the worst first halves of any quarterback all year. Back to bad Andy. And in his defense, came – Marvin Lewis said he was throwing up all night. He right. needed a couple of IVs to play. So it was like so, the it was like the Michael Jordan flu game, except he actually stunk. Yes, like you should. That's a great <laughs> that's a great comparison, Greg. He's exactly like the Michael Jordan. <laughs> I want us. I nominate us to have a different Michael Jordan analogy every week on this podcast. <laughs> Andy Dalton falls a, a, a tad short of Odell Beckham. Yes, opinion. he does. If, if the Bengals weren't the Bengals and they didn't have a very difficult schedule down the stretch, you'd have to say. They almost have the Division One at this point. A game and a half with four to play is, is pretty huge lead. It's essentially a two-game lead with four to play. But those their are, schedule is tough, and they are the Bengals. Those are two very big ifs. But, yeah. you, but they are the Bengals. But aren't the Bengals more known for blowing it once January hits? I feel like they're, they're not the team that will tank in December. They'll probably win what they need to get in. Uh, then, yeah, th- then they'll disappoint this everyone. This Bengals team doesn't have the feel to me of one that's going to – totally nosedive over the next month. Right. I'll, I guess what I mean is two and two from them with the results that happened today, there's a good chance that two and two gets them the AFC North title. Yeah. That's all you got to do. Then we get to the playoffs where they could mess up a junkyard. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So the Bengals gain some breathing room atop their division. The Colts, meanwhile, kept their cushion atop the AFC South thanks to Andrew Luck. Ooh. Jaunty. I like this kind of party. I like this kind of party, baby. TD, the great TD, who passed for 370 yards and five touchdowns and a 49-27 win over the Washington Redskins. Chris Wessling, I turn to you once again. I heard your excited yelps and moans while watching this one. Andrew Luck was at his best after a shaky start, wasn't he? Well, a lot of this was about the defense he was playing. Yelps and moans from Chris Wessling. What was going on in my day? Yeah, that's gross. (laughs) I didn't hear that. TD waving his arms. The the Colts have wide receivers running free all game. Just a game full of blown coverages by the Redskins. The Colts are the first team since 1966 with six touchdowns over 30 yards mm-hmm. in one game. Um, Kobe Fleener looked great again, except for the worst drop I've oh ever seen. Oh, my God, that was so bad. It would have been a fifth, another 52-yard touchdown. Nobody within 30 yards of him. He's got the whole field to himself mm-hmm. and dropped the ball, but – he looked good, and to me, they finally moved Dante Moncrief ahead of Akeem Nix, and 
it's a much more explosive offense because it's clear over the last month that Reggie Wayne lost a step. He missed two big plays last week because he didn't have the speed. So Moncrief gives them a big weapon, and Fleener's playing great. Those two guys, to me, are better than Wayne right now. I love this from the box score. Boom Heron, eight carries, 88 yards. Trent Richardson, eight carries, 12 yards. Oh, can we just move on? Can we just where be was, done with it? Where were all the plays? There were no plays by the Colts. Like, how did Andrew Luck only have 27 throws, and you just mentioned those rushing totals. Tell us about T. Rich, though. That, that's insane. Well, it's, it's abundantly clear that – He's he's no good. And Boom Heron's averaging almost eight yards a carry since Ahmad Bradshaw went down for the mm. season. But he's also put the ball on the carpet three times in two weeks. That's how good the Colts are, that they scored 49 points in 49 plays. I never heard such a thing. <laughs> well, I mean, that's an unbelievably low number of plays, especially considering you scored 49 points in the game. We know they murder bad teams. Mm. I mean, they just – they take bad teams apart, and they don't do as well against good teams. Luck has nine 400-yard games this year, which is more than Peyton Manning ever had for the Colts. Wait, Colt McCoy, 392 yards and three touchdowns? Wow. Let's talk about the real Colt in this game. <laughs> yeah, what it's, is the box score not showing there? Nicely it's, done, Luck. His QBR was 26.7, which is pretty bad. It's terrible. So the box score is obvious. He couldn't – Luck turned the ball over on the first two series of the game, and Colt McCoy couldn't respond with any kind of – movement on offense they didn't really move the offense until the last drive of the second half and this game kind of got out of control with the nature of it and he he was able to lead a couple of scoring drives in the second half but it really didn't impress me at all they had 19 yards I believe with like a few minutes left in the first half so they were always trailing but still it, it is crazy how much the numbers are devalued that like Colt McCoy doing 392 and three like, meh, whatever yeah, you know well, what I mean. True. That used to be in fa- if the, in fantasy football in 2005, it's like, oh my god, everyone's talking about the crazy Colt right. McCoy and game. Same thing to what you said about the Luck Manning thing. It's just 400 yards is like the new 300 almost, right? Yeah, you expect the Colts to get 400 yards every week. Yeah. And one of the reasons Colt McCoy played well, his numbers coincided with Vontae Davis leaving with a concussion, and we've seen the Colts hmm. defense now without. They, Vontae Davis also got injured in the game where, where Ben Roethlisberger went wild with yeah. one of the best games ever. It's good news for Johnny Manziel potentially next week. No Vontae Davis. Big game against the Colts. All right, we move on. Hey, guys, the Raiders stink. Oakland responded to its first win of the season by getting horrifically embarrassed. 52 nothing to the St. Louis Rams. Give it up, Mark Zessler. The Rams are the best 5-7 and seven team in NFL history. <laughs> Man, they look good today, and it's it, 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 this was maybe the best effort by Brian Schottenheimer, who I've taken to town probably 75 times on this podcast. I like that he didn't take his foot off the gas once they got up early. They were up 21 nothing with, with you know, the, the first quarter wasn't even over. And they didn't get conservative, which I think we've seen the Rams do. They devolved from whatever their early game plan is. They got big performances. Uh, you know, this is another box score that's a little deceiving because – Sean Hill had almost all his passing yards in the first 20 minutes, and then they just kind of – they didn't need him to make those big plays. But they got a big game from Trey Mason, 117 on the ground. He broke away a big run. Oakland is a disaster. They cannot run the ball, and they put their rookie quarterback in a tough situation every week. What What's disturbing is you'd like to see, after what they did to the Chiefs, some sustainability, some progress. Total, total opposite. This defense – They've given up, I think it is in the last three seasons under McKenzie, are their most points allowed year after year after year in like 
eons. And yet we everything we hear is that he'll be back for another season. I just don't get it. And I also and it's way too early to make any judgments on Derek Carr, but you know, I'm a little curious cuz the way you hear you're hearing from their organization that they fa- they think they've located that guy. Uh, are you guys convinced that he is uh maybe the guy that's ahead of the rest of this rookie class right no, now? Not yeah. at all. He has the highest three and out percentage of any quarterback since Alex Smith's rookie year. He they did, he doesn't move the offense. I'm not convinced either. Either way with him, it's tough to evaluate a guy like him playing for that team, but I also don't feel particularly excited. Why did we see a Matt Schaub pick six today? Why was he in the game? Because of the score. Yeah, it was just, it oh, was, it was just yeah. like, let's not get Derek Carr yeah. hit here's, anymore. Here's a good tweet from Howard Bowser that just crossed over here. Raiders ran 75 plays, averaged just 3.3 yards per play. Ooh. The Rams had 49 plays, averaged 7.1. That is the definition of an absolute Wipeout. One thing on Carr, because I I think it is too early to say that they've found anything. They don't know, but they really it, I, it, he is surrounded by so little. Mm. They, there's no one helping him on any level. I look at this as a clutch performance by Derek Carr. You know, he saw that they tied the Jaguars in in the win total. You know, with that last one, <laughs> let's not blow this number one pick. Jacksonville well, gets an early win. They go draft let's another quarterback. Do nothing. Get the number one pick. Can we stop acting like Tony Sperano is doing a better job than Dennis Allen? Right. That's a good point. They now have a worse point differential under Sperano than they do mm. under Allen. Bury the balls. When you bury the balls, you this bury the This is like an pass. elevator where the wires were cut and it's just shooting towards the <laughs> depths of the earth. Their 38 no, the nothing halftime uh, differential was the worst in, in franchise history. I know we don't want to linger too much on no. this game, but – it has to be frustrating for Rams fans to keep having this season over and over where by the end you're looking at Trey Mason you're like, wow, that guy's going to be a star. Like, wow, we got Chris Long back. Our defense is awesome. But it's just the same thing again and again, 7-9. and nine. It's just people like us saying they're the greatest 5-17 and 17 oh, ever. I, it's like, but that's four years in a row or three years in a row just like this. Everybody patting Les Snead on the head and telling what an <laughs> right. amazing job he's doing in the, every single year. I think it's awesome Fisher has That's them true. peaking just in time to go seven and nine like they always do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, speaking of stink, hey, New York football giants, you stink. The Giants' lost season hit a low point on Sunday in Jacksonville. They blew a 21-point second-quarter lead, lost 25-24 to the Jaguars. Uh, the Jaguars, who entered this game with one win, Connor Orr, the Giants have lost seven straight. And this, to me, buddy, how are you, by the way? I'm doing well. How are you? Great, great, great. How was the library on Thanksgiving? The haunted library. <laughs> oh, it was great because it, it mixed that, that old book smell with the turkey and the sweet potatoes. Mm. It was fantastic. <laughs> That's what you want. It's wafting across my nostrils now. <laughs> Uh, but, yeah, so losing seven in a row now, the Giants, That's and a loss like this against the, maybe the worst team in football, that's not the Raiders. This is how coaches get fired, right, even ones with two rings? I think so. I mean, uh, you know, the way that I was looking at it before this game was I thought they might be able to kind of pacify their fan base uh, by firing Perry Fuel at the end of the season and then and then letting everything run its course like they had planned to, but... Uh, you know they're they're a team that, that likes to make sound decisions, but when they're embarrassed, they, I think all cards are on the table, and they got absolutely embarrassed today. There's there's no other way to say it. Connor, I heard you say that some grisly rumors are set to emerge from East Rutherford. Uh, <laughs> care to uh, go further on that? <laughs> well, I think right now, like you know, this this is around the time last year that that we started kind of hearing about. Um, the infighting that, that people weren't happy with Kevin Gilbride and the way that things were going. And eventually, 
um, you know, things happened the way that they did. Things ran their course. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, we start kind of hearing some things trickle out, and, and that'll kind of lead us to, to to where the organization is going to lay the blame, whether that's whether they look at someone that's kind of been heading their drafts for the last, you know, six or seven mm. years, whether they look at the head coach, whether they look at the general manager. I think it'll be interesting to kind of see where that goes because I think it could really go either way. And, Connor, you uh, used to cover them. You used to do, be the beat guy uh, covering the Giants. So you know more than anyone that we have a very good chance in West. I know you'll be excited about this, for this to be a big entree roll week in the media. Oh, <laughs> Make it stop. Uh, it's, uh, that, that was always one of the worst parts of, of the beat week because you were tired and Tuesday was your day off and then he would go on the fan <laughs> and like he would say that they were going to go to the playoffs even though they were mathematically eliminated and then you still have to like figure out a way to kind of make, make something of that. But yeah, no, this will be a big week for him. I think... If I if I remember the intro role playbook correctly, this will be like the if Tom Coughlin leaves, I'm leaving uh, week or something like that. You know, this will be. Uh, that smells right. Yeah. I yeah. think I'd rather hear from Joe Theismann than Antrell Roll at this point. Mm. <laughs> wow, that is standing. Wow. Uh, anything uh, that you saw from the Jaguars that made you say, "Wow, that's interesting." I mean, you know, Blake Bortles uh, wasn't that bad down the stretch. I mean, you know, they scored a majority of their points on defense, but, I mean, he needed to lead them down the field and put them in field goal position at the end of the game. And uh, he hit Marquise Lee in stride on a – it was a beautiful slant pass. And then uh, he ran the read option uh, pretty perfectly. I mean, the Giants can't defend the read option. That's been pretty apparent all year. But, uh, you know, he made work of that and got them in the field goal range. I'm impressed. I mean, he made some terrible throws in that game, but I think if they get an offensive line – He's going to be a really uh, he, he's going to be a stud down there. He w- he led the team in rushing. That's not really what they were looking <laughs> looking for. Sixty eight. Maybe that w- that was the one thing he did well in the preseason is the hurry up. So maybe that was his time. Who to smells stand. an MJD homecoming in two thousand fifteen? Yeah, maybe to Jacksonville radio. That's yeah. It. I don't see anybody putting <laughs> him in uniform next year. Uh, all right, are Connor. The, are the Toby Gerhardt apologists ready to to? <laughs> for that, or is that uh, uh, is that too far away for him? I don't think too there soon. are any left. Too soon. All right, Connor, thank you for everything, and as always, beware of flying books. <laughs> thank you, guys. All right, boys, so if we're going to talk about struggling teams, we have to touch on the erstwhile team of ATL. The Minnesota Vikings blocked and returned two, punch for, two punts for touchdowns in the first half, getting all the scoring they'd need in a 31-13 win over the Carolina Panthers. Uh, just another lost day and a lost season, guys, for the Panthers who can't do anything right. They had a chance, too, to still be playing meaningful games, but now they're a game and a half back in the NFC South, and maybe now it's time for Ron Rivera and Dave Gettleman to just stop talking about contending. And I don't know what they can do to look towards next year. But and it's and time. time for the Panthers to not appear on this also in the running in the NFC playoffs. Enough. Business. Take the Bears off. Come on. Can, Take the Panthers off. Can uh, Riverboat Ron be fired one year after signing a contract extension? No. Do you put this on him? I, I would fire him simply for for playing D'Angelo Williams over Jonathan Stewart when it is so abundantly clear watching the tape that one is way better than the other. Stewart, I don't know if he, I don't think he started, but he did get 12 carries to seven for D'Angelo. Had a nice day, 12 for 85. So maybe he's listening to the podcast. Yeah, it took him three months. <laughs> Are we excited about Teddy Bridgewater at all? No. I'm not. No. When I watch him, I think those comparisons to Andy Dalton. In the that people had in the draft, it's like, yeah, that seems about right. You know what I mean? Like, that's not bad. That's that's better than 
a bust, but it seems like it could be that's the type of quarterback he is. I see him as like Alex Smith where you're going to have to surround him with a strong running game, strong offensive line, strong defense. He's got to have all that structure around him because I don't think he can carry an offense. He's got more around him than your Derek Carrs or your Blake Bortles, and there's been a couple games where he's been incredibly unimpressive. I think today was one of his better performances, though. But they, it was like last week against Green Bay. I was I was turning that on, expecting him to play well, and it was just like, eh, he basically just stayed out of the way. I mean, even in this game, they had 210 yards total. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, they didn't need it because they got two blocked punt returns for a touchdown. That never happens. It hadn't happened since... 1990. It's insane. I'm going to invite you guys, if you want to come join me, in the Cordero Patterson Cave of Sadness. <laughs> Did not start for the third straight week. I don't want to go into any caves of sadness. Do we, do we have an echo effect, uh, TD, behind the glass? A cave of We need a cave we, of sadness. Well, we'll look for I'm it. I'm sure you have that at the he, he not only didn't start, he didn't play in the entire first half. I was, he only took, like, one snap. Yeah, he, he, he got one target in the game, no catches, and, you know, we can't say it enough. We, as a group, are so high on him. That's a major problem for an organization that a guy that was supposed to become their star is now completely absent from their game plan. Well, it's pretty well, remarkable. He missed, he Listen, missed practice twice in the week. For when you have months, Charles Johnson funny. on your roster, that's, true. that's when, you know, these <laughs> highly touted, he's getting more targets than anyone on Chucky the team Jay. right now. What did Chucky e. J do today? He had two catches for 41 yards, but <laughs> he's had a, he's had a ton of targets. targets the last two weeks. Yeah, I do. You shouldn't to... be so excited about this because he could be catching passes alongside Josh Gordon in a beautiful world. Mm. Well, that's a fair point, but I wasn't excited to see them part ways. With him. I still want to be right about the fact that he'll be good. <laughs> I know you guys do. I want to give uh, <laughs> Mike Zimmer a little credit. He is having the perfect rookie coach season because he's winning just mm. enough to show you, hey, here's a good head coach. We're five and seven. We're better. The defense has something, but he's not going to raise expectations too high with a lousy team. Now, that's a hot take. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. little I Tony Sperano action with Miami. You he don't knows want just, out of there. just how to dance on that line of mediocrity <laughs> like a good head coach. I do like this idea of a cave of sadness, so maybe other players will be in this Ooh. cave of sadness, and then we could – you it's know, the, maybe it's the, the sheer opposite of Wes's stable of boys. Oh, you yeah, don't want to be in it's this like cave. Your, it's basically like your fantasy team. Do you look at like, yeah, like a map like the Game of Thrones where I have the different areas, sectors. There is Wes's stable of boys, mm. Greg's stable of boys, Sessler's forest of, of happiness and wonder, and then the <laughs> cave of sadness. A lot of places, I feel like a lot Jonas, of enchantment. I feel like Jonas Gray has been in the cave of sadness for a few oh, weeks. Oh, man. Did he run over Belichick's dog on the way <laughs> Something to on. the facility after oversleeping? One of the great opening tracks of any 90s mm. album. I love to imagine album, Jonas Gray, and I'm sure this has never happened to him in his life, and he has no idea that Weezer exists, mm-hmm. but just driving around in his station wagon listening to that song. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sure. His <laughs> life keeps on getting sadder. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure he knows, because I'm sure a bunch of doofus 35-year-old guys in Patriots jerseys have come up to him and told him about that Yo, song. Yo, you know the Weezer song? It's wicked awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about a relevant team. Wow. The Houston Texans are still in the AFC playoff race. Stop. Yes, they are, Chris Wessling. They rode career performances from Wes Ryan Fitzpatrick and DeAndre Hopkins to a 45-21 win over the Titans, who stank on Sunday to stay in that race. Even Chris Wessling, the president of the Ryan Fitzpatrick Hater Club, had to tip his hat to the Harvard kid. 
six touchdowns, no interceptions. Oh my a God. dominant performance. I'm just straight dominance. Greg hates uh, also Rams who are put in the also in the hunt category like the Bears, but he delights in seeing the Texans there. I do not. I'm happy to make an editorial judgment. Get the Texans out of there. Come on, dude. they're six and six. I'm, I'm they can, with they you. can hang in the back end until they get one more loss. You you had dodged the subject, Ryan Fitzpatrick. This is what this team has needed all year. I didn't see the game. More <laughs> all right, Fitzpatrick. All right, I'll I saw enough of Fitzpatrick this year and in his six or seven year career to know that he's not a playoff quarterback. This is what I'm saying. I I think we all agree with you that Ryan Fitzpatrick is not a franchise quarterback or not a guy that should be seen as the long-term answer. But this is exactly the game why this guy is going to be in the league for another five years or so, whether it's going to be as a bridge guy like he is now or as a straight backup. And, Wes, I'm just going to read the stats because they're so insane. Six more years of Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> 20, yep, <laughs> get excited. <laughs> 24. More than that. Yes, I mean, we can. 24 of 33, 358 yards, six touchdowns, no interceptions. And, by the way, these were – there were some expert passes in the mix here, and but I'll let me give it real give it up to DeAndre Hopkins, who is, I think, the best wide receiver on the Texans. That guy's now. making the leap, making the leap in a big way. Nine for two thirty eight and two TDs. That's an average of twenty six yards per reception. This guy, it was going nuts in this game. He could not be covered. Yeah, but by the way, I mean this is a total aberration for Ryan Fitzpatrick. We'll travel half a decade and see nothing close to this ever again but, from him. But yes, oh, he but had they his day. Give him right. some love. I'm just Six saying it's, it's not as oh so suddenly. Let's rub off oh, on you, Mark. No, no, no. Suddenly the Texans have a playoff quarterback leading the. No, Who on. said that? I don't. I'm not saying that. That's all. <laughs> no, he just simply. They're going to go eight stunning. Eight. By the way, all right. I hope I never have a career you wanna, day around nobody, you and be like, well, you'll just get back to your crappy performance from before. I was taking a page from the boss's book, just no, saying you, Wes, this doesn't rubbed, matter. Wes rubbed off on you there. But let's talk about, if you really want to talk about an actual big-time player, J.J. Watt. Another <laughs> touchdown catch. Oh, my God. Well, he had his third touchdown catch Come of the on. year. But he also had two more sacks. He had a, a strip, a fumble mm. strip, a fumble recovery. And the third touchdown. Six QB hits. Holy he cow. Including the one that insane. knocked Mettenberger out. He also, game. by the way, and he might get fined for that, by the way, because he knocked Zach Mettenberger out of this game with a shoulder injury after Mettenberger had let go of the ball. And if you remember, J.J. Watt has some history with Mettenberger because he got on Mettenberger Ooh. for selfies and things of the like. So I think he, that's, there's a reason why he kind of pile-drived them into the turf. Good prosecuting attorney mm. would yes. jump all over that. And to be Ooh. honest with you, like I think that it, it seemed there was a little tiny bit of malice involved there, I'm sure – Watt, because he was down on his knee near him after the injury, didn't he didn't want it to go that way, but he did try to punish him, and he put him out of the game. Of course, Jake Locker comes in. Yeah. What does he do on his first throw? Interception. I think he threw three picks in the game. That guy is terrible. So, you know, we don't know what's going on with Mettenberger, how long he might be out, if he's going to miss time. But this was the day that the Texans said, take me seriously, one more week. Wait, so to recap, for all the any Houston like bloggers listening out there, the, the headline should be Dan Hansis colon J.J. Watt's a dirty player. That was pretty much <laughs> that is the that blog post, it, right? For, yes, for all the all different right. websites. I'm a jerk. You've had you've had actually if longtime listeners will remember you've had some beef with Houston area people. That's true. Over they the years. they laughed on me on national or on uh, Houston radio when I they came on I came on the show and then they they came after me for saying that the. Texans are going to go 8-8. Eight and eight. This, this was, was last, last year. Last yeah. August. And they said, how dare you? This is a Super Bowl team. Then they go, what, 2-14 and 14 or whatever it was, 4-12. and 12. You're a seer is what you're I'm asking. not saying that, but I, they, they try to set me up, and then I knocked it out of the park. <laughs> My shining moment. So don't come back after Dan. He's going to be right again. Leave me alone. Uh, all right, moving on. Which takes us to Sunday Night Football, where C.J. Anderson 
went over 100 yards for the second consecutive game, leading a Broncos team that relied on the run and got a lot out of the run in a 29-16 win over the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead. Uh, Chris Wessling, usually in these primetime games, we're used to Al and Chris or whoever's doing the game singing the praises of Peyton Manning, but this was not that game. Shocker, blustery night, windy, cold, mm. and Peyton Manning had his lowest completion percentage since 2009. In the Gabbard zone. Whoa. And he was in the Gabbard zone on yards per attempt Less than five for the first time this season. I think this team, they want to run the ball now because it keeps defenses from blitzing Peyton Manning, which we saw the Rams do successfully. And their offensive line is maybe the best offensive line since – since Manning's been there with Will Montgomery taking over at center, Luis Vasquez kicking out the right tackle, and they've been using jumbo packages a lot more to establish the run. Scientist alert. C.J. Anderson's legit. And you mentioned he's the league leader in yards from scrimmage and rushing over the last four weeks. When they get Ronnie Hillman healthy, forget Monty Ball. Don't even give Monty Ball the bat. I mean, that's a nice one-two punch. I think they complement each other well. Anderson has power. He's he cuts well, too. but He makes people miss. He's running people over. Everyone wants a crazy offensive line, sure, but they're not the ones running people over. And another dominant performance uh, by their defense, who they gave Alex Smith hell for, for four quarters in this game. And, you know, DeMarcus Ware um, and Von Miller were in the backfield all game. To me, we've come back to this a couple times this season so far. This just, to me, seems like a better, more balanced Broncos team. I guess it matter. the big question is, is Manning near what Manning was last year? And if he is, then they, they should be in great shape in the playoffs, as much as they seem to be overlooked a little bit right now. Well, I think Manning, as long as the conditions are perfect and it's not windy, he's the same guy he's always been. <laughs> That's not going to be perfect it's a big deal in, in, January. in Denver or Foxborough, most likely, in late January. I think he's always depended – well, not always, but since he's come back from the surgery when his arm was obviously – at one of the weakest in the league, it's always more about win than than temperature, I think. There's so much that I don't like about this game. First of all, bad game. Chiefs, no. You got you got to the point where we're singing your praises here on the podcast. Then you get on national TV in a primetime game back-to-back weeks and just stinkers. I mean, both games were so bad. Remember, we were thinking this is going to be the game for the from, AFC West. From week two until week 11, they looked – you know, as good as any team in the AFC in the big picture. They're, well, maybe not that level, but they're playing very well on a week-to-week basis. And you're right, they they stunk out to join them both week. It's going to be hard to take them seriously after losing to the Raiders and at home to the Broncos in a convincing manner. If you're having a hard time getting your kids to sleep, just put the Chiefs game on. <laughs> this is the most somnambulant team in the league. Well, they, they're playing the who can get out of their funk bowl next week in Arizona. Get and, out the phone. And that really is a game for both teams that it's like the winner of that game, if you look at the schedule, it's like, all right, they're they're in the playoff mix. I mean, the Chiefs almost have to win it. it the Cardinals, if they can win that, then it's going to be tough for them not to, to make it. I don't like Alex Smith against the Cardinals secondary. My favorite stat of the day was Andrew Luck entered this game with more touchdown passes that traveled over 20 yards in the air than Alex Smith had attempted passes 20 yards in the air this season. Wow. I would love to reanimate uh, James Brown and get a get out the fog eh! bowl <laughs> for next week because I, I can't pull it off. Do you want to try, Greg? Well, I, I know. I'm just glad the falsetto is back in the show to <laughs> wrap TD, it up. TD, you got soul, man. Do, get can you, on can up. you do a little James Brown impression? <laughs> there you go. That's what he likes. 
A little false, a little uh, funk from TD. Can you give me a little James Brown? He's not letting you off the hook there, TD. I was trying to stay quiet the whole show and just go with <laughs> drops only. But uh, oh, that's right. Wow, I demanded it of you. Let's try this. Let's try this again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. When it's down, roll with return to the max. All right. Okay, so I guess that means you cannot do it. But see if you can reanimate James Brown. That would be weird, but cool. All right, that's it for Sunday's edition of the Around the NFL podcast. We will be back on Wednesday, uh, so make sure you tune in for that. Uh, Check us out on iTunes and Stitcher and our stuff on NFL Now and all that good stuff. This is Dan Hansa signing up for the Sizzler, the Mailman, the Boss, and the great TD behind the glass. See you Wednesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm late. I'm late for the important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. 